Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Good morning. Thanks for saying that a second time today. I appreciate that. I just like to hear it, you know? Well, we truly uh, are glad that you are here this morning, that you took the risk, that you actually got out of your bed, your warm and cozy bed, and came out and uh, were a part of this body of Christ. And um, I'm in, there we go. I feel like I'm losing my mind for just a second. Is it okay if I do that? Because we're all there, aren't we? <laughs> well, uh, this morning we're, we're starting a new series um, called Answered Prayers. Um, and really it's, it's about asking God for God, what God wants for you. However, you know, you ask for things, you desire things for yourself, and you desire things for other people, but God wants things for you as well and I think sometimes we often ignore the things that God wants for us and put in place replace that for the things that we desire that we want not only for ourselves for other people asking God for what God wants but in the midst of this conversation of asking God for what God wants for us we can't sidestep we can't sidestep the conversation of unanswered prayer. Those times where you and I have believed that God could, knew he believed he should, and thought he would, but he, he didn't. And this is an issue for not only many believers, who follow Jesus Christ, but this is an issue for many people who no longer enter the church doors and are a part of the body of Christ. This is a crisis of faith. It was the spring of 1999. I just stepped out of college. I graduated, and I stepped into volunteer youth ministry. Had no idea what I was doing. Um, And... Still don't after all these years. Um, it is true. Um, and uh, I, I, it was at youth group on a Wednesday night, one of my first few nights of youth group, um, where I met Christy Smith. Uh, she was a 14-year-old go- girl who had gone into remission. She seemed to have beaten cancer. The church had prayed, the youth group prayed, and I met her in prayer pit. Prayer pit was where our youth our youth gathered in a circle and many prostrated themselves on the floor before the Lord and they prayed hardcore for their friends and their family, 
uh, for the church. And I met her there, and she was just this vibrant kid. And she loved the Lord. And that summer, I went to several youth, youth camps, Southwestern Ohio District youth camps, junior high, high school, and boys camp. And it was at the high school camp that uh, we were having all kinds of fun, um, balloon fights and dodgeball and all kinds of things were going on. Great worship, too. And it was during the afternoon. It was right around lunch. Big Don, who was the youth pastor, who's now one of my deepest friends, called everybody into the room, into a dorm room. And he sat us down, and we were throwing pillows and laughing and hanging out and just being stupid. And then his face just fell. And he shared with us in that moment that Christy Smith's cancer was no longer in remission. The air went out of the room. I was new to this group. And I really didn't know how to react. I was new to faith. I didn't know how to react. And so for the next year, a church that had battled in prayer for a very long time for Christy felt deflated. But yet they continued to battle for Christy and her family. We prayed, we prayed hard. We believed that God could do what he could do. He never left the throne. Even the pastor called us to a solemn assembly where for three days the church, if you were able, you fasted for three days and you prayed. And we gathered each and every night and we prayed, hoping and praying that Christy would survive. Literally a year to the day that we got the news, Christy Smith died. We knew God could. We believed he would. And honestly, we even thought he should. That's a very simplified definition of faith, right? We knew he could. We believed he would. That's faith. We trust him. But he didn't. It was no more than two, two and a half, three years later. Another friend of mine, Tiffany, she was around my age. She had gone on a mission trip to somewhere in Africa. And there in Africa had to finish her medication so that she wouldn't get sick there. And unfortunately, the medications that she took caused some complications. And she returned early and started a complete and utter hellish battle. Continual blood transfusions, times and stents at St. James, the cancer center. And that church that fought and prayed for Christy, tried to fight and pray for Tiffany. But it seemed like the faith was out of the room. Her mom, actually, I remember one evening, her mom had opened her home for hours of prayer on behalf of Tiffany. And I remember going there, and there were just a few of us there. We, we, uh, we knew God could. We believed he would. And this time, he did. After about a year and a half, 
it seemed like Tiffany came out of this hellish battle and she's now working as a nurse somewhere out west. You wrestle with these things. You wonder why God did over here and he didn't do it over here. Amy and I wrestled for several years to have a child. We would go to the doctor's office and do all the treatments, everything short of IVF. We prayed, you prayed, many of you prayed. And the result was, we have a cat. That's what we have. We have a cat. We had two. <laughs> we now just have one. We weren't able and aren't able to have kids. We knew God could, believed he would, but he didn't. And we wrestle with this. I'm not the only one in this room, the only one listening, that wrestles with this. For as many people that are in this room, that's as many people who have wrestled with why did God answer over here? Why didn't he answer over here? Why doesn't God answer my prayer? I believe he could. I, I knew he should. He's, he's powerful, but he didn't. And the only conclusions that we can come to when we're stuck in this crisis, the conclusions that many come to is that either God doesn't exist, God doesn't care, or he's not good. But see, that's the false choice, right? Because scripture from beginning to end says that God is good so if God is good and we have prayers that we've prayed and God has answered but also there are those prayers that he seems to have not answered right then what's the reality and the reality is God is good God is sovereign God is there all the time we talked about this two weeks ago that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father, sovereign over all things, Lord over all things, even circumstances in which we are walking through. And what may seem as unanswered prayers may not necessarily be unanswered prayers. They, in fact, may be answered prayers. We don't realize them. So we've got to wrestle with this. I've got to wrestle with this. I continue to wrestle with this as a pastor of almost eight years. As a believer for almost, I don't know how many years, like 24, 25 years. I still wrestle with it. Habakkuk, his name means embrace and wrestle. We have to embrace and wrestle all at the same time. So today, I'm not going to make this, well, maybe you just need to have more faith, right? Pastors try to make it simple and brush things off, right? 
Maybe you just need to have more faith. Maybe there's sin in your life. I just want you to know, I don't have all the answers. And neither do you. Well-meaning Christians have made some very horrific and horrible statements to people who have gone through very, very difficult situations. Well, it's, it's God's plan. It's really hard to take when you don't have a child when you were supposed to have a child. It's really hard to swallow when the house is now coming out from under your feet and you don't have money to feed your kids. Those are really hard to swallow, right? It is. However, Scripture speaks to things when we pray. We're going to talk about when we pray and what matters to God when you pray. When you come before the Lord our God to the throne of grace that we're allowed to come by the name of Jesus Christ, by what he did on the cross, there are things that matter to God about you and your life and about him and his plan and his will. And for us, as human beings, we're kind of stuck in the middle and we have to wrestle with this stuff. There are some truths on the back end of this. So I just want to make the disclaimer. There's no easy answer. There's not. But we're going to dive in and look at some things that Scripture teaches about when you come before the Lord your God, what really matters to Him about you and the prayers that we ask and really what prayer is. Because I think we often have an idea of what prayer is and it's really something completely different than what we think it is. So would you mind, let's bow our heads for a moment and we're gonna, we're gonna pray. Because that's what we do, right? That's who we are. Father, we come before you. We want to dive into your word and let the scripture unpack us. Not, not us unpacking the scripture. We want it to unpack our life. But we also desire that through your word and by your Holy Spirit, that you teach us, that you help us understand what matters when we come to you in prayer but we also know that this is only the beginning the tip of the iceberg and there's so much more in a span of 35 to 45 minutes we can't answer everything we can't speak to everything but I trust that your Holy Spirit does speak into our spirits and that from this day forward as we go and we go into your word and we pray and we have conversation with you, you will teach us even deeper things than we are speaking of in this moment. Father, I trust you. Help us lean not on our own understanding, own understanding but lean in on you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. What matters? What matters to God when we pray? Well, there's four things that we're going to talk about today. Just four. 
what matters to God when we pray. And the first thing, the first thing is when we pray, our relationships matter. They really do matter. Your earthly relationships. See, there's, there's the horizontal and then there's the vertical. And Jesus teaches us, teaches us about the vertical and the horizontal and how they intersect. Often when we're in here and we have conversations and we learn about scripture, we're not only learning about scripture so that it transforms our lives, but we're learning about scripture so that our lives can transform other people, right? We wanna impact other people by his Holy Spirit in our life and the changes that have happened in our life, the transformation that has happened in our life. The same goes for when we approach God. Our relationships matter. Jesus said this, he said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in, for in prayer and believe that you have received it, remember, believe that God could, knew that, knew that he would, believed he would, but he said, believe that you've received it and it will be yours in prayer. We love that verse. That's great. That's awesome. Let's stand on that. But then he says, and when you stand praying, if you, the person praying, if you have anything against anyone, Forgive him, forgive her, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins, you your sins, and anything against anyone. If you have an anything against anyone, a, a horizontal relationship, that can impact prayer because that matters to God. We need to understand that our earthly relationships also intersect with our heavenly relationship with Jesus Christ and how we handle them. He also continues, Mark, M Matthew chapter five, this is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he just lays a lot of things out. This is just a, those three chapters, chapter five, six, and seven, they're hard to swallow because they're so practical. And he says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, if you're bringing your best to God, whether it's in worship, whether it's in prayer, or wherever, if you're bringing your best to God, you're bringing your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother, not you, but your brother has something against you. Your brother has an against you, something against you. He says, leave your gift. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Don't worry about that now. Go deal with the horizontal relationship. Go deal with the earthly relationship first. Therefore, leave your gift at the front of the altar. First, go and reconcile with your brother or your sister, your family member, your friend, your neighbor, your coworker. I was still a fresh Christian I I was learning almost every day and I, I still didn't have, have it all figured out but the Lord continued to bring things up in my life about this friend of mine in high school we'll just leave his name out um, I didn't treat him well in high school I, I was not a believer in high school um, I became a believer and follower of Jesus Christ my sophomore year in college and when I got home after college, just several years after uh, receiving Christ, 
this guy kept coming up in my mind and I kept being reminded of the horrible things that I said and that I did. We took TPing somebody's house to like a completely epic level with this guy. Um, and so I had a sense that I needed to go to his house um, because I'm pretty sure he had something against me. I hadn't seen him in years. And so I went and knocked on his door and I knocked on his door and I knocked on his door and nobody answered. It was in that moment I sensed that I was released. The Lord was wondering if I was going to have that conversation because earthly relationships, they, they mean something to God, right? And so they impact the vertical. So when we pray, our, our relationships matter. Even Peter brings up, and this, for the ladies, this is for you, man. Peter brings up, husbands, be considerate of your wives. Be respectful. Because you don't want anything to hinder your prayers. Things can hinder our prayers, and our relationships can hinder our prayers. What else matters to God? Well, when we pray, our motives matter. Your intentions matter. James, the bro James of Jesus, not the bro James of John, the, the disciple, but the bro James of Jesus. In his book, his wisdom book, it's called James. It's really, really good. He, he says this, you don't have because you don't ask God. We're talking about prayer. We're, we're talking about asking God. You don't have because you don't ask. When you ask, you don't receive. Remember, unanswered prayers. You don't receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. See, all of us have hopefully cars that we drove in here with or were driven in here with, unless you walked. If you walked, man, you get the gold star for the day. You're awesome. And if you walk from Lima, that's amazing. Um, but in our cars, we all have blind spots. Those are those areas that we can't see oncoming traffic. I mean, you're driving your car, you have a nice, wonderful windshield, you have your windows over here, you have your mirrors here, but guess what? However great design your car is, you still have a blind spot somewhere on your car. That is why today technology has even gotten those little things on your mirrors that beep, 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 and tell you, hey, there's somebody in your blind spot. But for you and me in our life, in our, in our spiritual walk, in our life, we actually have blind spots. Those areas within our life, in our hearts, that we're really not aware of. And in fact, Jeremiah, the prophet, says, the heart is the deceitful above all things. Congratulations, you have a heart, it is deceitful. It is. We actually justify a lot of our behaviors. We reason it. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Who? He answers the question immediately. The Lord, I, the Lord, searches the heart and the mind. The Lord searches the heart and the mind, and he understands the motives. Proverbs 16.2 says this, all mans, all women's, all teenagers. Yes, that's you in the back. Teenagers. And kids, if you're here. Everybody. Their ways seem innocent to them. Sometimes what we think 
we're justified in, that we're innocent in, when it's weighed out by the Lord, sometimes it may not be as godly as we think it is. Because God measures not according to you and me. He measures according to him. He measures according to his plumb line, his standard, and he is the plumb line. He is the standard. And so our motives, what are they when we come to God? See, James says that he follows up and he says that you don't have because you don't ask, and when you ask, you ask for the wrong motive so that you can spend it on your own pleasures. There's a gut check that the Lord and the Holy Spirit does in our life when we come to him in prayer and when we're asking things of him, whether it's for us or other people or the church or the community, he weighs that out. Are our motives godly motives? What else, Matt? Jesus actually says a parable it's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And this is a great picture. A parable is a story that is created and, and made up, but within reality, teaching kingdom truths. It's basically what a parable is. This might actually have happened. A Pharisee and a tax collector, they go to the temple and they go to pray. The Pharisee stood, watch what he said, he stood up and prayed about himself. And watch what he prays about himself. God, I thank you. I thank you that I'm not like the other men. Hmm. It's pretty interesting. This gets even better. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. He even points them out. I'm glad I'm not like them. Or even like this tax collector. Now Jesus is really hitting it home, man. It's like Joey Votto coming for 300. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. This prayer of the Pharisee, the foam finger Pharisee who points out everybody else's wrongs, is now praying and pointing out everybody else's wrongs. There is pride in his prayer. Now, hear me out. This doesn't mean you can't pray for you, right? The most unselfish, selfless prayer is for the transformation of your heart and your mind. If we look at Jesus' longest prayer, recorded prayer, that's in John 17. And in John 17, Jesus actually begins to pray for himself. This is kind of at the end of all things here. This time is about to come. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be beaten and mocked and spit on and crucified for you and me. And he prays at the table with his 11. And he prays for himself first. And Let's not forget what happens just a little bit later in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prays for himself. He prays for his heart. He prays for his will. He wrestles. He wrestles with the Father's will. So the most selfless thing that you can do is pray for your heart that it may be transformed into Christ's likeness. That said prayer like the Pharisee. Man, motives are very clear here. But watch 
what Jesus does in this wonderful made-up story. He says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He didn't feel worthy. He was humbled. He would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. The Pharisee stood up. The tax collector stood at a distance. There was humility in coming to the Lord. And then Jesus wraps it up, puts the bow on it, and says, I tell you, this man rather than the other, he went home justified before the Lord, before God. The Lord weighs out our motives. Sometimes, if we feel like our prayer isn't being answered, we probably need to ask the question, Lord, is, is my motive pure here? Is, is it right? Is it godly? Do I need to shift this? Do I need to shift this prayer? When you pray, our relationships matter, our motives matter, and our faith matters. Your faith matters. You believe that God could, even thought he should. You knew he could. That's faith. And actually, Hebrews 11.6, it's a little bit later in the PowerPoint, but it says it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith matters when you come before the Lord. So when we come before the Lord, we know he can. In fact, Mark chapter 9, there's a moment where a man is desperate. He's desperate, and he comes and runs to Jesus because his son... His son is demon-possessed by spirit. Ever since childhood, the demon had been throwing him into water or fire to kill him, has made him rigid, has made his life hellish. And so he comes and runs before Jesus because, hey, word spread about this Jesus Christ from Nazareth. Notice what he says. Mark chapter 9, verse 22 and 24. He says, but if you can do anything, if you can do anything, that's like playground talk. You think you can? I don't know if you can. I don't think you can. Do it. If you can do anything, take pity on us. And Jesus recognizes the lack of belief. He recognizes the lack of faith. He says, if you can, he, he took a little offense. Can you see that? If you can, everything is possible for him who believes. Belief, faith matters when you come and pray. When you ask God, when you have conversations with him, actually prayer is built on faith itself. We can't see God, we can't touch him. Faith is the premise by which we come before the Lord at his throne. Just a few chapters before this, there's another incident where a leper, a man stricken with leprosy, runs and falls on his knees before the Lord. And notice the shift. It says, if you are willing, you can make me 
clean. If you are willing, complete difference. Start contrast to, if you can. Now we understand that the father had a belief and unbelief all tied together. And I think that's where we are sometimes, isn't it? Belief and unbelief all tattered together. We are human beings. But even Jesus, when he left his hometown of Nazareth, he was amazed at their lack of faith. He couldn't do very many miracles in his hometown because of their lack of faith. Faith matters when we come to God. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith matters to God because God moves as a result of his people's faith. Just because you have faith doesn't necessarily mean that God is going to move and do the things we're asking him to do. But faith moves the heart of God on your behalf. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to come and pray without faith. James says, don't be double-minded when you pray. Be single-minded and believe. Double-minded, they go about the ways and they get tossed about by everything. When we come before the Lord, we have faith that he's going to move. We believe he, he can, believe he will, but even if he doesn't, right? So here's the thing. Let's just say your earthly relationships got the check mark. Things are good, man. Let's just say your motives, check, pure. They're great. They're godly. They're selfless. And let's just say, man, a mustard seed's got nothing on you. You're ready to speak to that mountain and tell it to move. Does that necessarily mean that God's going to answer your prayer? Does that necessarily mean that God's going to answer your prayer the way you want it to? If we believe that, that's in the line of the prosperity gospel. The name it and claim it. Woohoo! I'm going to, now that I've named it and I'm claiming it, God's got to do it. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure God's going, uh, you, you need to go back to the scriptures. You need to read them again and let them soak into your spirit and into your heart, into your mind. Because just because you have your earthly relationships, there's no issue. And just because your motives are pure and just because you have all the faith in the world doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to move on your behalf the way you want him to move. We have the conversation with the Lord. We allow him to do what he desires to do. Why? John chapter 14, verse 13 through 14. This is a wonderful scripture. And I think this is where a lot of people land. Jesus said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Name it, I'll do it. You ask me anything in my name, and I'll do it. But we seem to forget that there's something in the middle of that. What's in the middle of that 
is I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. Wait, what? Did he just say that? I think he did. Let's just read it one more time. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. Now, prayer is simply a conversation with God. We are able to have this conversation with God because of Jesus Christ on the cross who sacrificed himself, who surrendered himself, died, and rose again on the third day. He made the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He made the way because no one else came to make the way for us, right? So we can have this conversation with the Lord. It's, It's about reconnecting with God. But the very purpose of prayer is not to have an on-demand God. We don't have Netflix in our house, but we do have Sling. And typically I can find, you know, the Dick Van Dyke show. That's what we're watching right now. Uh, (laughs) We're going back to the 60s, bro. Uh, But that's on-demand. I have it at my fingertips when I want it. We can Amazon it and prime it two days. Awesome. Like, I was totally against it until I tried it, and I was like, yes. I'm not leaving my house. They can Amazon toilet paper to my house. It'd be amazing. Thing is, this idea of on-demand has kind of seeped right into right into our hearts and our minds but God he's a Netflix God he's an Amazon God you and there it is you ask it he brings it with cherubim and angels alike in the nice package no God an on-demand God does not exist nope He does not exist. Now, he is with you. You can have conversation with him anytime you want. That exists. He exists. But put in your quarter, punch A3, and the candy bar comes out, that type of God does not work. He does not exist that way. That is not who he is. Because... This is the confidence. John wrote, wrote this in 1 John. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us according to his will. The will of God matters when we pray. It matters. Isaiah 55, 6, 8, and 9. The prophet Isaiah told the Israelites to seek the Lord while he may be found. That's prayer. Go and Have a conversation with him. Be with him. Nurture the relationship. Seek him. Call on him. But then, when you call on him, remember, God said, for my thoughts are not yours. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. 
and my thoughts than your thoughts. Folks, when we come before the Lord, he has eternity in mind. He has your eternity in mind. He also has your earthly time in mind. And it's all filtered through his ways. It's all filtered through, yes, his plan, his will. I am grateful that there are things that I've asked God to do that he didn't do them. Now that I'm a little bit wiser, just a little bit, I'm really glad that hindsight shows me that he didn't give me some things that I really, really, really wanted, that I really asked him for. Because he filters them through his sovereignness, his power, his heart for you, his love for you. And I guarantee you there is not a respected parent in this room that gave their kid everything that they desired and wanted, especially in the grocery line. No, dinner is in an hour. Put it back. I just want to hit my brother. No. It's a crime against humanity. That happened to me many times. God loves you so much that there are things that you desire so much that he won't give you. He loves you so much that there are things that he just won't give you no matter how many times you're asking him for it because he knows how that's going to play out. I'm grateful. I'm just grateful that there are things that I asked for him from him and that he didn't give me. And when I look at things in my life, I have to say, God, you know better than I. You, 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 even though I think I know best, you know better than I. You really do. Had we not wrestled in prayer, asking the Lord for a child, going to doctor's appointments, taking medications, getting shots, all those things, I wonder if my faith and my trust in the Lord would be where it is today. Not to say that my faith is, you know, wherever. But I wouldn't be where I am with him had we not had to wrestle through it. Had we not had to pray through it and he didn't answer it. Your relationships matter when you come to the Lord. Your motives matter. Your faith matters. Ultimately, God's will matters. Just because your circumstances are the way they may be doesn't shift or change his sovereignty. He's still God. He's still good. And yes, he does care. He does care. Cares enough sometimes not answer the way you desire it to be answered. 
that is a hard pill to swallow. It's not easy to say to you. It's not easy to receive. And it certainly isn't easy to live out. But Scripture's clear. God is the center of the story, not you and not me. God is center. And he is center when it comes to praying or answering prayers or not answering prayers the way we want them to be. Because unanswered prayers are still, wait for it, answered prayers. Unanswered prayers are still answered prayers. Another hard pill to swallow. So, would you mind just bowing your head for just a moment? Father, I really don't know each and every individual and what they've wrestled with in their life. What they have brought before your feet. What they've asked for in their life. And I really don't know how that's played out in their faith. But you do. God, will you please make yourself known where they are? May they experience you and your love in a very real way. May they lean in on the scriptures and the truth that it brings. And Father, will you bring clarity? to what's muddy will you help us wrestle and Lord Father will you help us believe that you can help us know that you can And honestly, when we pray, help us believe that you should, but even if you don't, even if you don't, even if you don't, may we trust you. May we love you deeper. May we lean in harder. May we wrestle longer. Help us know our place and help us walk differently on the other side of it. May our heart be transformed more into holiness than humanness. May our relationship with you be deeper and may our faith be stronger May it not move us to never come before you, but may it push us to always come before you. May it move us to be silent more than we speak. 
May it move us to mourn and weep. And may it move us to ask the things that you desire for us that are clear in the scripture. I love you, Jesus. I trust you. We trust you today, Jesus. I trust you with these people. They're yours. Move in their hearts and their minds. God, may we be a people who don't just talk about prayer, who don't just read about it, but who pray that our lives are marked with prayer. Time with you. I love you. I love you. And how I need you, how we need you. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray because we believe that you could do the things in which we've asked, Jesus. Amen. Will you please stand in honor of our King and our Lord. I love you. We love you here. We really do. We pray for you weekly. Even if we just met you for the first time, we pray for you weekly. You're awesome because God has made you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you back here for Encounter tonight, 5 o'clock. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.